Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. Here's a stoop story from Aisha Alfadhala about making her way and finding community. So I'm from Kuwait. It's a small Middle Eastern country where there are only two seasons, summer and winter. I grew up in an intergenerational house where uh, we always had long tables with my grandparents and uncles and cousins. So the day before I moved to America, my mom was convinced that she wanted me to carry home. So she packed my bag with spices and a set of knives, six knives. She thought that was so normal <laughs> to carry to the U.S. immigration. And, <laughs> and for sure, my bag was confiscated as I get, <laughs> you know, Middle Eastern, six knives. It wasn't going well. <laughs> and I went to, I arrived to Milwaukee, Wisconsin in January. Never seen snow before. I really thought I was going to Michigan because... I heard of Michigan, I saw the Lake of Michigan, but it was Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, so a place that I never heard about before, with no spices and no set of knives. <laughs> and at that point, my English was emerging. I could understand things literally, but not conceptually. Like I could, there's many American cultural things I did not understand. I did not understand why somebody would say, how are you, but keep walking. <laughs> why like lunch rush hours are not um communal and I realized it was the first time where I had I've eaten by myself never had that before um my my language was the expression of my experience I had I had word religion. I had I had the word religion, but not spirituality. I had a, like the word food, but not aroma. I had the I had the language to function, but not necessarily to belong. But there's many things I was excited about. I did not know that you could double major, so I decided to learn Spanish. <laughs> I did not know what bagels or pop tarts are. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really exciting times. But after that, I went to graduate school in Portland, Oregon. And when I was looking for jobs, um, I found a job in Baltimore, and that's what brought me here. I knew how it was difficult for me to create connections when I first came. So I started volunteering with IRC, the International Rescue Commission, in their mentorship program, where they match you with a newly, newly arrived family. And that's where I met Zaid, is a woman from Eritrea. We would meet every week. She has three beautiful children. We'll meet every week to navigate how to use the bus, um, how to fill up forms, how to, how to get the mail. She spoke Tigrinya and I spoke Arabic and English, but we could not really communicate. But what, I, what resonated with me that we'll meet every week and we will invite all the neighbors and everybody spoke different language. And the table reflected all the cultures of the neighbors from Yemen, from Iraq, from Syria. Um, and I learned from Zaid that food connects us beyond language. And then I met Iman, it's one of her neighbors, and Iman used to be a chef back in the fourth season in Damascus, Syria. But most importantly, she's a Syrian grandma. So she's, she has tubawares of food, and she would feed everybody from the Uber drivers to her doctor. <laughs> um, and and I, I, that reminded me of the Arabic saying that a small house can, feed, can host 100 people. 
And then I met Lillian, who is very, she's from Cameroon, and she's passionate about um, food, and she wanted to open a restaurant. Then I met Emily, who had worked at Doctor Without Borders and kind of was the, had so many different ideas. So we all met one day at Highland Town Library just to see what can we, we all have similar interests. How can we create something from these interests? So we decided to host house dinners. And the first house dinner was at my house where we forced family and friends to pay $25 <laughs> to come to a dinner <laughs> at my house. And, um, and somehow they came. Then, then we did another another uh, Cameroonian dinner at another friend's house, an Eritrean dinner, and it kind of grew. Then we reached out to a restaurant called Hershey's Pizza, and if we can use their space for free for a day, and they said surprisingly yes. So we hosted um, a Syrian dinner for 75 people um, with Fairuz playing on the background and plates of food to share with 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 the strangers that are in the dinner and then other immigrant restaurants such as Clavel and Cucina Luchador start to reaching out and we did collaborations so we're, do, we're starting doing pop-ups so then we were like okay how can we grow let's apply to the farmer's market this year it's very competitive we're not gonna get in anyways then maybe next year we'll be more prepared because at that point, we all had full-time jobs. We didn't have a car. Or we didn't have a license, maybe, at that point. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we didn't have a kitchen, most importantly. So, but, but surprisingly, we got in. So we went, April comes around, and here we have to be prepared for the farmer's market. So we went to the director of the farmer's market and to kind of break up, telling her we cannot do it, really. Um, but she said, no, I read your application late at night. Late at night, I believe in what you do. And she found us a kitchen at the Lord Baltimore Hotel for free. I cannot, I'm so grateful for that moment. And I remember the first day, the first day we were in the U-Haul. We slept things out of my basement. Uh, we move, we drive to the Lord Baltimore Hotel, go to the farmer's market, try to open the tent. I thought it was so easy to open a tent. You know, I went camping once, but <laughs> it took us 30 minutes <laughs> to open that tent. Um, there was a lot of hurdles in the beginnings. I wrote bowel instead of bowl on the, <laughs> on the sign, uh, and the quantities were off, and I was trying to force everybody at the farm, farmer's market to try the food. <laughs> that lasts us two to three years. <laughs> and then slowly people start asking us, do you do weddings? Do you do caterings? And we're like, I, I guess now we do. <laughs> um, in this year, 2020, 22, March 2020, we opened our restaurant. So after sharing kitchens for three, four years, we finally had our, our, our own spot. The word Mira comes from the Meraki, which means when you do something so passionately that you leave part of you in it. And that's what's Mira to me. It's the stories, the people that, that make the food, their stories, their culture, their, their, the essence of it that we want to transport and create that connection. What I think is fascinating for me is that, the, for example, English is not the dominant language in the kitchen. Everybody puts an effort to understand each, each other's culture and language. 
uh, to create that connection that moves beyond food, that beyond that move beyond language. Um, so relationships are not formed; they are built over time, over food, over conversations, and the ups and downs. So I would encourage every one of you to. Ask somebody to go for a dinner that you don't know very well. Learn about their story. Share your own story. Look at us. We can barely talk in the beginning. But now after six years, we have a restaurant somehow together. <laughs> Thank you. That was a stoop story from Aisha Alfadhala about the origin of the Mira Kitchen Collective Restaurant. You can hear her story and others at stoopstorytelling.com. I'm Sheila Cast. Glad you're with us on the record. Hope your weekend is invigorating.